Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. You can get all of our broadcasting and podcast form at thetrumpet.com or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Well, one thing mankind is always concerned about to some extent is death. That's uh, something that everyone has to consider at some point. What happens to people after they die? What happens? Uh, We can just think about how panicked people have been lately about the potential uh, of getting a disease. There's been, uh, of course, COVID and such going around, and it's been quite serious for some people. But uh, there's a real panic about it, and the panic is uh, extreme. The world is virtually locked down for the last few years, and you see people really taking extreme measures, although the illness seems to still spread anyway. But, but there's a real fear, and the fear is that a person will get sick and die. And there's a great concern about that. And humans want to live, of course. Uh, we're saddened when loved ones die. And the thought of death can be unsettling, to say the least. So that's one of the great questions of life. What happens to a person after they die? Often in the world, when you see uh, somebody die, and if if their relative is uh, famous, they might be on television or somewhere, and they'll say, well, I feel like, you know, my... A relative was there helping me out, whether it was in a sporting contest or a performance of some kind. That's a, something that people will often say, and it sounds good, but it's not biblical. What happens to a person when they die? Well, thankfully, the Bible gives us the answer. It gives us the answer as to what happens to people after they die. And if we have the faith to believe the Word of God, we can take great comfort in the truth. It's different than what most people think, the truth, that is, uh, of this subject, but it's actually a lot more comforting. So when a person dies, they have no consciousness. They don't know what's going on. That's different than what most people think, but that's the truth. The Bible tells us that. We can notice this in Psalm 146 and verse 4. And if you have a Bible handy, you could get it out and we could look at some of these passages together and to see and and really understand what God teaches about life and death. Psalm 146 and verse 4, it says, His breath goes forth, he returns to his earth. In that very day, his thoughts perish. So this is talking about somebody that's died. They had thoughts. They did think about things. They had memories. But those things all perished because they're dead. And I think we can understand this pretty well. We fall asleep every night, hopefully, if we're having a decent sleep. And when we're in a deep sleep, we don't know anything. Now, I know we have dreams sometimes, but typically we don't really know those until we maybe wake up and and think about it somewhat, if it's right there when we woke up. But we don't know anything. How many times have you fallen asleep and then 
woken up and hours had passed and you have no idea what happened. You have no idea what was going on because you were sound asleep. I remember uh, several times actually being in a very deep sleep, sleeping throughout the night very well and waking up and looking outside and seeing all kinds of tree branches and, and some even times trees down. I thought, what happened? Well, in both cases, a big storm came through. I was so sound asleep, I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice it. All the drama, all the <laughs> the fear, I guess, of the storm. And I didn't notice anything. I was sound asleep. Well, that's what being dead is like. We don't know what's going on. We have no consciousness. No consciousness. Notice what Christ said about this. This is um, in John 11. Christ was dealing with Lazarus, who had died, and notice how he describes death. This is John 11, verse 11 through 14. It says, These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. So if somebody said this to you, you'd, you wouldn't probably think too much of it. You'd say, oh, okay, yeah, go wake him up. <laughs> Give him a shake or <laughs> say, hey, come on. And that's what his disciples thought. Verse 12, then said his disciples, Lord, if he's sleep, he shall do well. You know, he, he wasn't feeling so well. And they said, well, let him sleep and well, that'll help him out. Verse 13, how be it, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. So they didn't understand that he was really talking about the fact that Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was dead. Verse 14, then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. But Christ was going to resurrect him. He was going to wake him out of sleep. See, being dead, it's like being asleep. Christ showed there very clearly Lazarus was dead, but Christ resurrected him. He woke him up. Christ has the power to resurrect. Now, in that case, Lazarus was brought back as a human being and just brought back into a continuous life. And there is, of course, uh, a time when people will be resurrected into uh, the God family. They'll be glorified, and there's a lot about that in the Bible. That's, that's an amazing future that God has for mankind. But in this instance, Christ just resurrected Lazarus back to physical life. And so he continued to live. And it was amazing to people, of course. I mean, this was an awesome miracle. Christ has the power to resurrect. He has that power. But some may ask, but don't people have an immortal soul? You know, when, when a person dies, don't they just have like this ghost version of themselves that just sort of floats around? Well, the answer is no, <laughs> we don't. But that's a very common belief. There's television programs, movies, all kinds of things that that give that message out, you know, that oh, people just kind of keep living on as themselves, but in some sort of a ghost form. But that's not right. That's not right. Notice Matthew 10 and verse 28. Here Christ is giving us an admonition. Matthew 10 and verse 28. Christ said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So a person could just read that scripture by itself and really have a lot of ideas about what that means um, and base it on probably what they see in you know, the popular thinking of the day. But we have to understand what was really meant here. 
Um, notice this is a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's a free course at thetrumpet.com. If you don't have it, it'd be great to sign up for it. It's really an excellent course. It says the New Testament Greek word here translated soul is suki, P-S-U-C-H-E. And the Greek simply means life or existence, just as does the Old Testament Hebrew word nephesh. So we know, obviously, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so we have to know what the words mean because there's a translation to the English language then. And sometimes there's a little bit of confusion about the, the, what the English words uh, mean in relation to the original intent. In Matthew 10 and verse 28, the quote says, The word soul refers to life that man cannot permanently destroy, but which God can. What kind of life could this be? obviously life which God restores by a resurrection. And of course, ultimately, we're talking about that resurrection into the spirit, into a God being, actually, a God family. That's, that's the potential of mankind. But God has the prerogative to not allow that and say, well, the person hasn't qualified. They won't be uh, an effective part of the family, and so they're not in it. But only God has that prerogative. The quote says, man cannot permanently destroy a life that God is able to renew by a resurrection. Although men may kill their physical bodies, said Jesus, true Christians know that men cannot take from them eternal life that God has promised to give them at the resurrection. But God can permanently destroy all possibility of eternal life. How? By casting a physically resurrected person into the lake of fire to be utterly consumed, never to be resurrected again. And this is the ultimate penalty of sin, Romans 6 and verse 23, eternal death. So that's what, again, I mean, that's the, the danger if a person just rebels against God. That's not God's will. He doesn't want anyone to have that fate. But uh, there will be, unfortunately, a few that just refuse to obey. And hopefully uh, we're working to not be in that category. The book, it says, this is continuing the quote, the book of Luke makes the meaning plainer, and this is quoting Luke 12 and verse 5, but I will forewarn you whom you shall fear, fear him, which after he has killed has power to cast into hell. God, it says, not only has the power to take our present physical life, but also has the power to resurrect us and, if we have proven to be disobedient and incorrigible, to cast us into the lake of fire from which there will be no future resurrection. And you can read references to that in Revelation 20, verses 14 through 15, and Revelation 21 and verse 8. So again, that's, that's what Christ is talking about here. Uh, a human being could kill another human being. It happens. It should not, but it does. And uh, where, you know, people get into a murderous uh, spirit or something like that. But then God can resurrect. And so humans don't have power over that. God does. And that's why we're being told, fear God. Have a proper fear and respect for him because whether we have life, you know, beyond this physical time, that's completely up to him and his judgment and how um, we've lived our lives. And if we're judged worthy to be part of that family, the family of God. The Bible does reveal, though, that man does have a human spirit. This is not, again, some sort of like ghost or something that people might think about from popular uh, teachings of the day, but this is uh, the ability in, to have a mind power, to think. Notice Job 32 and verse 8. It says, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. 
this human spirit is why you and I have the ability to think. We can sit down and we can write something out or we can read something if we've been uh, educated in that way. And we can make decisions and we can plan and we can appreciate music and we can learn to play an instrument. We can learn to play a sport. All of those different things that we learn in life. And you don't see animals doing that. Animals have instinct. You know, it's kind of funny to think about animals trying to do things that humans do. You know, to see a squirrel give a uh, piano recital, that would be hilarious. <laughs> and if you could somehow get a squirrel to do that effectively, uh, you'd be very rich because that would be quite the uh, quite the spectacle. It's just things that we don't see. And it's because animals don't have that ability. They don't have that, that human spirit. The correspondence course says, because of this spiritual element, the Bible often uses the word spirit simply to mean man's mind, his intelligence, his attitude. To distinguish the spirit in man from mere physical breath, the book of Job continues in context to use two separate Hebrew words, Ruach for spirit and Neshma for breath, Job 33 and verse 4 and Job 34 and verse 14. Two different words, they have two different meanings, but we read it as spirit in the English. Further, the quote says, This spirit in each individual of necessity does more than merely impart the power of intellect to the physical brain. It becomes a spiritual recording and mold of the entire person even to preserving memory, knowledge, character, and outward appearance. And so when a person dies, that spirit recording returns to God and is filed away until the time God will replay it, if you want to think of it that way, bring about the resurrection of the identical personality into life and consciousness. Yet while filed away, it has no consciousness of its own. Why haven't you heard this truth before? Because, the, the quote says, the whole world has been deceived. Yeah, so what happened to the people that have died? Well, they're stored away. <laughs> they have no consciousness, but God has the human spirit. He has that recording, that mold that has that, the character in it and the memories and so forth. And when God wants to resurrect it, he will. And again, for those that are rebellious and uh, wouldn't repent, well, then they'll be resurrected into, and put into the lake of fire. And even that's merciful and loving because who wants to live forever in misery and anger, you know, and bitterness like the devil does. So, but thankfully most people will repent and they will be part of that family of God, which is very exciting. First Corinthians 15, notice this, a bit of a longer passage here, but gives us more insight into life and death. Verse 13 of first Corinthians 15. And, and here Paul is talking about the resurrection and talking about Christ. And so there was some debate, you know, is there a resurrection from the dead? And Paul's like, yeah, of course there is. And he was teaching them that. And, and there was, they were talking about it in relation to Christ being resurrected. Verse 13, it says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is also in vain. So he's telling them, look, if, if Christ wasn't resurrected, then what are we even doing talking about the Bible or anything? I mean, it would all be irrelevant. But, of course, Christ was resurrected after being a perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind, giving us a chance to repent and change. Verse 15, it says, yes, and we are found false witnesses of God. If, you know, Christ isn't resurrected, he's still um, 
piggybacking on that first statement. It says, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. So again, he's giving them this instruction about the resurrection, saying the dead will be resurrected. Christ was resurrected. So he was teaching them about this. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, because you're yet in your sins. (laughs) We have to have a living sacrifice, and Christ living in us. Verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. That would be miserable, (laughs) right? That would be a horrible thing. And then verse 19, he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So he was telling them, look, if, if you all you do is believe in, in uh, this life and the here and the now, then well, that's pretty miserable because it ends, right? You see people live, and even if they have a really excellent physical life, it does end, and then what? Well, the resurrection. And if there was no resurrection, then we'd be pretty miserable people because what hope would we have? But there is a resurrection, so Paul is trying to teach them this and teach us uh, as we read it today. Verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead? Yes, he has. He'd been resurrected. And become the first fruits of them that slept. So again, here death is talked about as sleep. as a type of sleep. If you resurrected from it, be woken out of it. And um, Christ was the first, the first one to be resurrected into the, into the uh, God family. And there will be others that follow. Verse 21, for since by man came death, and he's talking about Adam's sin there, by man came also the resurrection of the dead, right? Verse 22, for as in Adam all die, just like Adam, all do die. But he says, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So Adam sinned and then he died, and that death penalty is passed on to man after him. And we all die, but will be resurrected because of Christ's sacrifice for us. Verse uh, 23, but every man in his own order. So there's a time sequence to people being called and people being resurrected and so forth. This is Christ the firstfruits and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So there's a time sequence. Today is not the only day of salvation. People are called and given opportunities at different times. The correspondence course says how plain the Bible really is. Man is mortal, corruptible flesh, organic matter with a temporary life. He does not have eternal life inherent within himself. He does not have an immortal soul. He is a physical, fleshly creature destined to die, turn to dust and remain that way, except for the intervention of the Almighty, except for the resurrection from the dead. So what happens to people that die? Well, they're sleeping. They're sleeping. They'll be woken up, and they'll probably have a lot of questions. Well, what happened while I was sleeping? And they'll be able to find out. But they're resurrected. Resurrected, and then ultimately, of course, uh, resurrected into the kingdom and family of God, or changed if they're alive physically at that time when Christ returns, and they're part of that first fruit calling. We have more about that in this correspondence course. Um, and some will be resurrected back to physical life again and be given a chance to learn God's way when they, you know, lived and never learned it in the first life that they had physically. But they'll be resurrected. Christ talked about that last great day. People will be resurrected and given a chance to learn the truth and develop character and then 
be born into the kingdom of God. So it's a very hopeful plan. God hasn't forgotten about anybody. He knows, he knows everybody. He has everybody's spirit, human spirit, that has died. He's got that recording filed away, and he's going to resurrect them and resurrect them and give them great opportunities in the future. So ultimately, it's incredible hope. But we do have to understand the truth about what happens to a person after they die. Of course, there's a lot more information about this, and it takes a lot of study, and you can get that study for free very clearly, very succinctly in the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free. Please sign up for that at thetrumpet.com. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.